Hey, Scully, do you know what I absolutely love about VioletNivyBoutique.com? What? Plus sizes that are affordable, stylish, flatter my body, and the dresses have pockets. I was going to say and have pockets. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely love it. And what I love uh, about it is it also caters to, like, non-plus size people. So she has something for everybody. So... How's your experience been with Violet and Ivy? I love the cardigans and that no matter what you get, she has options that you can keep changing the look. So you can get the tank top and wear it with a cardigan. Or if it's summer, you can just wear the tank top. It's covering. It's flattering. You can pair it with a blue one. You can pair it with a yellow one. Like you have multiple options. It looks like you have this wide variety of clothes when you've got two or three options from her. I love it. I absolutely love it. And her nail designs are on point. Hand yeah, it's ridiculous. Painted. I can't believe a person does that. I know. She does it. Yeah. Hand painted, press on nails that are affordable. So if you're looking for a great style, check out VioletNivyBoutique.com. All views and opinions expressed during this podcast are that of AC and Scully. We are not qualified psychologists or legal professionals, so all opinions are just that opinions and should not be considered any type of legal or psychological advice. And if you get your feelings hurt, eh. Hello, thank you for tuning in to Take a Coffee Break and Chill podcast. This is a true crime segment and with any true crime segment, there will be disturbing information shared. So please take care while listening. Hey, Coffee Breakers, it's AC. And Scully. And we are mixing it up a little bit this week, so you're getting a wild Wednesday instead of a Werder Wednesday. Yes. And I have no clue what's going on, but Scully is very excited. This one's crazy, and I just have to share. Well, okay, I say this, that she's very excited about my reaction. Yes. She's like, I can't wait, I can't wait, I can't wait to tell you, I can't wait to tell you. I was like, go ahead and tell me, and she's like, no, it's got to be on the podcast. So she wants y'all to get the unfair filtered edited version of ac losing her crap probably yes <laughs> thanks for throwing me in the bus that's, <laughs> that's what i want okay so let's take you to mare island in vallejo california on march 23rd of 15 okay i don't know why i went 1915 for a second I don't know what happens on that day. <laughs> I don't, 2015. <laughs> yes, 2015. Um, <laughs> 911 gets a call saying, my girlfriend was kidnapped last night. Someone came into the house, tied us up, took her. They asked, well, what time did you get untied? He says, this morning. They gave me sedatives. Okay. Then they say, um, we got somebody coming out to you. Okay. It cuts to, this is a documentary from Netflix called American Nightmare, by the way. So if you want to watch it, go ahead. But you could just listen and get all the information as well. Yes. It cuts to law enforcement clearing the house, and they're questioning who you meet then as Aaron. That is... A.A. Ron. Yes, ma'am. A.A. Ron. <laughs> and I meant to write down his, I think it's Quinn, Aaron Quinn. Okay. He is talking to law enforcement. You see it from body cam footage. And he's saying, you know, I was asleep. We woke up to these lights flashing. Um, he he told me Aaron face down. He said, um, the officer goes, did he drug you? He said, yeah. He gave me NyQuil. And he says, were you guys drinking? Were you doing any drugs? And Aaron's like, no. Are you sure? 
So then it cuts to the interrogation room. And that's, it doesn't tell you the exact time of this, or if it does, I missed it, but it jumps to 3.04 p.m. when mm-hmm. he's in the interrogation room. Okay. The way that it, it looks is like he, he tells you later on he woke up around 11.30, and then he waited a little bit to call. So I'm Was thinking, he untied when he woke up, or did he have to, like, struggle out of it? I think he, he made it out like he had to get out of it. Okay, I was wondering. All right, interrogation room. They didn't They're, do a good job tying. <laughs> but he was drugged. So with NyQuil. Hang on. So in the interrogation room, they're swabbing his mouth, they're taking blood, they took all of his clothes, they put him in like a jumpsuit. Well, he's got on like the, the black and white prison pants and like a t shirt. Mm-hmm. Um and this is where you get to meet Detective Matt Mustard. And yes, oh, that's right. Oh no, okay. His name is Matt Mustard. All right, Mr. Mustard. Correct. Investigator Mustard. Yes. Detective, Detective. Mustard. Yep. Oh God, is the Hamburglar here too? <laughs> One of our listeners said, "Where's Detective Sriracha?" <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, she's watching it with us. He tells him, "You know, you're you're not being charged with anything. We're treating you as a victim too. I just want you to know, like, we just want to get everything that we can get from you because it's all about Denise. That's the girlfriend and figuring out where she is, like what happened. So Aaron tells the same story. He woke up to blinding lights. He sees three laser lights. He hears a taser go off. He hears a man tell him, Aaron, lie face down. The detective says he knew your name. Yeah, he said it. Um, he asks Denise to tie, I guess, Aaron's hands behind his back. He says he feels Aaron get on his, he feels Denise get on his back and ties his hands. They were put, he says he remembers swim goggles being put on him that are blacked out. Oh, okay. And that he had headphones put on his head and that it was playing the sound of wind chimes. Yes. He says there's a recording that comes over and says that, whoever is going to take his blood pressure. He says he feels the blood pressure cuff on his arm. What in the criminal minds is going on here? Right. And then he hears another thing telling him that he's going to have to take this sedative, which is a mix of NyQuil and diazepam. Okay. So he has to drink that. He's told to lie back down, lie back down. So he says he lies back down on the bed and that he de- he's shaking and he doesn't know if he's shaking because like the adrenaline or just because he's cold or whatever. And he asked for a blanket. And the guy responds, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot how cold it is in here because we're all wearing wetsuits. And gives him a blanket. (laughs) I wish we had our YouTube up. Um, That's weird. Extremely. He says that whoever took Denise, that they took Denise into a different room. Um, They take her blood pressure too? I don't know. Um, That Aaron is lying down, but then at some point he comes and gets him and moves him to the couch. He then tells him um, there's a problem. The kidnapper person says that there was a problem, that this was actually intended for Andrea. And Andrea is the ex-fiance of Aaron. She had been living in the home up until September of that year. Oh, I'd be so mad. (laughs) Um, They were actually, they were together and she cheated on him. Okay. So they separated. But if I'm at Denise at this point, now, granted, she might not know, but then I find out that you are in here kidnapping the wrong chick. Angry. Angry. Yeah, same. 
Um, but he told him, you know, we're taking Denise anyway. Like he tells this to Aaron, like there's a problem. It was meant for Andrew, but we're taking Denise anyway, because he's telling the detective this. So he says that he, the kidnapper says, because he would pay him enough money to make it worth their while. $15,000 is apparently what they were asking for, for Denise back. He is told there's a camera. Aaron's told by the kidnapper, there's a camera. And then if he gets outside the view of it, they're going to hurt Denise. Okay. He hears his car crank up, and then at he hears his car drive away, and that's when he passes out. Well, if there was truly diazepam in the NyQuil, depending on how much, it's a strong sedative. So, potentially. I don't... I, I'm being real with you. Go ahead. This is about as fishy as fishy comes. It's very far-fetched, right? It's very far-fetched. It's, it's like I have entered an episode of Criminal Minds yeah. with some really sophisticated kidnappers. Like, they, they put headphones on you and played you little and messages. And why are you in a wetsuit? Well, I mean, wetsuit can cover everything. So you got to think about hair. Oh, yeah, totally. But if you're that prepared, you're out of my league. True. Like, and then just... And what you, did Andrea do? Right? <laughs> like, what do you, mafia person, you know? <laughs> That's where I went. Because I was like, this is just intense. Yeah. It, you get to hear a little bit from mom and dad and like, they're just being shocked. Like, they're being notified, hey, your daughter's been kidnapped. And they're like, what? Like, and, and for $15,000. And that's it. Like, I don't think they knew that. That part wasn't released to them. Oh, okay. I think it was just that, you know, he had, she had been kidnapped. From both reports from parents, and I'll get into his parents in a second, neither of them had really met the significant other. So, like, mom and dad of Aaron hadn't really met Denise but once. Mom and dad of Denise had heard, really, of Aaron but hadn't met him. Oh. So, it was, like, new. So, they're immediately like, what he do? Oh. Immediately. Honey, as soon as you told me, look, as soon as I heard the word NyQuil, I was like, what he do? Like what? Where's Denise? A A Ron? Where's she at? Fair, and that's apparently how most people felt. So the report goes out over the news. You know, a woman being kidnapped. Twenty-nine-year-old Denise uh, Huskin. She's a physical therapist. She is kidnapped from this really good, like upper-class neighborhood. This is just super, super bizarre. Yeah, Wetsuit. Did y'all see some penguins running around the neighborhood? So- Lieutenant Kenny Park he gives a statement like, like we, we're, we're trying to figure out what's happening here. Like this, this 30 year old male came to us and was telling us about this. Like we're, we're trying to validate his story. Like there's just a lot. We still don't know. Kind of general. Like we don't know. We're trying essentially. Yeah, fair. They, um, most abductions are not stranger related. No, which I didn't know that. Well, apparently they knew Andrea. Yes, and that people immediately start having doubts again about his involvement. Like, how is it you you woke up, you're drugged, it took you several hours still to call? Like, what's happening there? Well, he was tied up. Well, it cuts back to his interview, and the Detective Mustard, how did they get in? He's like, you can't take Mustard serious. I cannot. Well, fair. Um he goes, I don't know. He said it was just very planned. He said, so, you know, what happens next? Like, take me back to your, your story then. Like, what happens next? And he says when he wakes up, he's still under the sedatives. It's about 1130. Six hours have passed since he passed out. There's red tape on the floor, 
like marking a square, like indicating to him like where he's supposed to be. And there is a camera mounted on his wall now pointing at that square. Okay. So he's like, okay, this is what he was talking about. Like, I'm, if I leave this, it'll hurt her. So he's, he's sitting there. He said after a little bit, he got a email stating that, you know, he gave them $15,000. He said, like, he checked with his bank to see what he could get, and they said he could advance 3500 So he sends that back to the kidnappers, and, like, an hour, 10 minutes pass, 15 minutes pass, 20 minutes pass, an hour pass, and he's thinking, okay, why are they not responding to me? And he starts panicking. Well, she's not going to have much time. Like, I've got to, why would I trust them? Like, who's to say she's even, you know, still alive? So Fair. that's when he calls 911. But the camera, if it's a functioning camera, saw the police roll up. It's well, they wouldn't have saw it. It, it was what it looked like was on his couch, and there's a square around the rug, mm-hmm. and it's pointed straight there. So they would have saw when they came in. Mm-hmm. But they would have saw, I guess, when he called nine. He they whoever would have saw when he dialed nine one one. Yeah, because they would have been able to see. Assuming that there's audio, he could be calling his best friend Chuck. Who knows? Bank. Absolutely. There's no. I, there's no way. So this is when Aaron's parents show up and they ask you like, cause he's interrogation. They're like, can we see our son? They're like, absolutely not. He's being investigated. And they're like, for what? And then they start pulling them like, tell us about Aaron. Like, how was he as a child? Is he known to do this stuff? And like, they're very much like, whoa. Like he was captain of the football team. They were like, he had a bunch of different girlfriends, but he was in this one serious relationship with Andrea. And they were like, committed somebody needs to go check on andrea they do (laughs) um that they found her cheating on him in 2014 they took it kind of hard you know split up that kind of thing they start go back to the interview and they're asking him like what happened tell me tell me about the night like walk me through when did denise get to your house And he's like she got there about six she brought pizza and like, okay, you know, did you do drugs? And he's like, no, you know, because they're both physical therapists. Right. And they're like, were you, you know, dabbling some prescription meds at, you know, from work? And he's like, no, we never did that. And he's like, what about alcohol? He's like, we had four beers and a cocktail. And I'm assuming like two, two, and maybe she had a cocktail or something. Or I don't know. Maybe they, I don't know. I, I don't know. Two, two and a cocktail piece. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. They asked him what the conversation was about. Oh, no. He tells them that it was about Andrea, which is the ex-fiance. What? Why? Because it cuts to Andrea, and she claims that he was trying to get back together with her. Um, Denise wanted all communication stopped, and that he admitted that Denise had found some messages to Andrea stating that he cared for her and that he wanted to try to work things out. And the detective's like, oh, so you're cheating on her. And he's like... That's what she felt like I was emotionally cheating. And he's like, so that was the conversation that night was like, you know, you're you're emotionally cheating regardless. Like, you're still contacting this woman. Yeah, you don't want me. Right. So it was very, it wasn't great. Yeah. And it's a little damning to him to be like so forthcoming of like what the conversation was because it definitely tilts. Well, they were after Andrea. Yeah, but. But no, for sure. Yeah, it definitely is like, okay, so motive. Like, I don't know. It just makes it much, much worse. Well, yeah. Uh, okay. It's weird that they were after Andrea. 
Like you had this conversation about Andrea. Right. And then the the wetsuit people come for Andrea. Like yeah. it's very weird. It, it is. It is. It's just too perfect. Yeah. So the detective flat out asked him, did you love Denise? And he says, I love Denise. Like point blank. And I found that telling because he uses present tense. And a lot of times when people have murdered yeah, they, use, they will they slip, slip up and yep. do past tense, and he did not. He says, I love Denise. Mm-hmm. Doesn't skip a beat. But do you really? <laughs> so it's showing you what's happening at this time, and, like, police dogs are out. They've got um, all over that neighborhood. They've got boats out. They've got divers in the lake. Like, I felt like that was a little pre- it, Like, you have nothing to indicate she's been dumped but they've got people scouring the lake that's immediately where they went they're like this is a bs story i guess and you murdered her and threw her in the lake and we just got to find the body to prove it like that's true i mean i'm with mustard like i don't believe it either like (laughs) i don't i i don't i don't know how i feel about this well detective mustard's like okay your story is so elaborate and so far-fetched he tells him flat out, like, you did it. Like, just tell me why you did it. He's like, do you know the comforters and the blanket on your bed are missing? And he was like, the detectives told me that, or the police told me that. And he's like, yeah, why would that be missing? He's like, I don't know. I guess they took it. I don't, I don't know. And he's like, it's because you wrapped her body up in it. Like, you killed her, and you drug her out in it, and there's blood in your house. Did you know there's blood in your house? And he's like, no. And he's like, oh, it's Denise's. It's in your house. I, I would bet money it's he's Denise's. Using the and he's just like, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't, it may, I mean, I don't know what they did. Like, you know, he's trying to tell him, but the detective's like, no, you're an animal. And the longer you let her sit out there and rot, the more of an animal that you are. So just tell the truth. Aaron denies it completely. And he tells him like, Aaron says, well, what's the next step? Like, I don't, I didn't do this. What's next? Like he thought coming to them and telling them was going to result in this massive manhunt and they would be looking for that, but they're looking at him. We got to know who we're looking for. True. And, and you he, can't tell me three dudes or one dude or how many, a, a plethora of dudes in wetsuits. Yeah. Like the penguin posse out here just kidnapping people. Like, you got to give me more to go on than that. So Detective Mustard says, fine. Like, I don't know. I, I need a minute. I'll, I'll, I'll think about it. So he leaves him alone. At 4.33 a.m., okay, yeah. They have him take a lie detector test. No. That's administered by the FBI. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. But it's been too long. He's been in interrogation too long. Over 12 hours at this point. If he was there at 3 o'clock. 3 or 4. P.M. Mm-hmm. He's been there too long. He's got no rest. He's under a very. Dress, man. Very, very stressful situation. Like, whether he did it or didn't do it, that polygraph means nothing. I mean, I'm just saying. Like, it's. To me, and I'm not a polygrapher, yeah, and I don't really know how polygraphs work, if we're going to be honest, I know baseline stuff, it's BS science, that's yeah. why it's not allowed in court. Yeah. Well, Peter French is the FBI agent who does it, and you don't get to see, what, oh, French mustard. <laughs> I was like, why? Okay. Well, at least it's not French's. That'd be worse. But that's Peter, immediately where I went. Peter French, working with Detective Mustard, um, <laughs> he tells him, you know, you failed it, Um whether it was an accident or not, you you did kill her, though. He's like, tell the truth or lose the respect of your family. He calls him a brutal serial killer. And I'm like, there's one person. If he did it, it's it, one. It doesn't fit the definition. Like, serial's multiple. Like. Three or more. That's not. But he's like, you're just a serial killer. And I'm like, no. 
Like, what do you know? Like, that's not the clinical definition of serial killer. What are you talking? We talk a lot about serial killers, and it's more than one. (laughs) Aaron tells him, I did not do this. I want a lawyer. And Peter French is like, what'd you say? And he's like, I want a lawyer. And he's like, okay. And, like, gets up, and then you see him, like, very aggressively set some tissues in front of him, and then he leaves the room. Yeah. So he calls Dan Russo, who has been doing defense attorney for, like, 78 years. Like, this is an older man. I was about to say, Jesus Christ, how old is he? Since 78, not 78 years. Since 78. Uh, okay. <laughs> I was like, that's right. He'd be so old. <laughs> since, since 78. There you go, people. He gets a call at 6 a.m. Yeah. From Aaron saying, you know, he's been here 18 hours. He goes there to see Aaron. He's like, he's pale. You can tell he's been crying. He tells law enforcement point blank, look, he has complied. He's gave you samples of saliva, fingerprints, blood, everything you want. So he's leaving with me if you're not charging him. Right. So he leaves with his attorney. He immediately takes him over what I think is his paralegal. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a female in the office, and I didn't get her name. And has her, she immediately is like, all right, tell me what happened, Aaron. He gives her the exact same statement. She's like, give it to me again. Like, what happened? And she said they went over and over, and he never wavered. It was exactly the same from the beginning, <laughs> from his time. Nothing changed. That's that's convincing if nothing's changing. Mm. So, so, and the reason I say that is because I was listening to a podcast earlier, mm-hmm. and it was about this guy who swears, 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 swears. He was in Virginia the time that his um, separated wife was in Ohio, and there's no way, no, excuse me, Michigan, there's no way he could have killed her. Stuck to the story. Was found guilty. Stuck to the story. Stuck to the story. Stuck to the story. For years. Mm-hmm. Until they were like, where's her body? Like, we'll give you an Xbox, because that's what he wanted. In prison. He got life in prison oh without parole. Oh, my gosh. He led them directly to her body and told them exactly how he killed her. So, yeah, his statement was consistent the whole time, too. So that doesn't mean anything to me anymore. Fair. He was an ex-Marine. This is a 30-year-old dude that's a physical therapist. So he's somewhat smart. Eh. So you get to hear from Aaron. And he tells you, like, he thought when he told him that there would be this mass manhunt, like, everybody would start scouring the area, but they they just kept looking at him, and he yeah. didn't know what to do with that. Right. His attorney is like, I believed him. He said, but I was seriously concerned about his story. He's like, because of what he had stated in the interrogation about, like, they had this conversation about Andrea and all this. He's like, if her, if she winds up dead, nobody in North America is believing this man ever. Like, he's going to jail forever. He's not wrong. And he's like, I just was so concerned. And it's, it's fair. Because he's like, nobody is going to believe him ever. Right. Because you got to, you're, you're dealing with some higher level organized stuff. If you're talking about, they came in with the camera, they, they put goggles over you, tasers, there's lasers, they, they, there's lights, they drugged you, Mm -hmm. they put you on the couch, they had her tie you up versus one of them and they're in wetsuits. Mm -hmm. Like you're telling me all this and I'm like, who, like you said, who in the mafia? Yeah. Like, cause this is very organized. level stuff, right? Yeah. So it's. 12.24 p.m., 31 hours missing. Um, and a crime reporter got an email with an audio clip that said Denise. Okay. Okay. 
you hear an audio clip that says, I'm Denise Huskins. I have been kidnapped. Otherwise, I'm fine. Um, they gave, this was her proof of life. Um, she talked about her first concert that she went to to kind of like, this is me. And a recent event that had just happened that day to show that she was still currently breathing, at least at the time of that recording. Right. They give, he immediately gives it over to the PD because he's like, no, like you need this. Like figure out what's going on. The family's called in. Aaron's called in to like confirm, is it her? Aaron was able to confirm, you know, that was her first concert was U2. And her dad, her mom, everybody's like, that's her voice. Yeah. So Mustard is back and he's asking the family now about Denise. Oh, yeah. And he's saying like, is there anything in her past? Like, tell me about her choices. Like, is she, like, does she make irrational choices? Is she spontaneous? Like, tell me all about Denise. I need to get to know her. And our, this is the part that I want to say is not in any way a reflection of how Coffee Break and Chill feels. This is from a quote from Denise's mother from what Detective Mustard said to her. Okay? Okay. That can't be good. Her mother states when he asked, like, is there anything, you know, from her past? She states that she told him that when Denise was little, she was molested. Okay. He then says to her, according to her mother, quote, women who have been sexually assaulted often pretend to have it happen again so they can relive the thrill of it. End quote. And I've never heard anything like that ever. What? Don't repeat it. (laughs) I was going to repeat it to you. This is what she claims that he told to her after she said, you know, when she was little, she was molested. And like, I heard it, paused it, rewound it, played it again. Because I was like, there's no way that was said to her. I want to make sure I heard this right. Go ahead. This mustard. Mm Mm-hmm told this missing woman's mother that women who have been sexually assaulted mm-hmm. often to claim pretend to have it happen again pretend to have it happen again for the thrill of it so they can relive the thrill of it i was very 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 taken aback by that that is horrendous and in no way based in fact I've never, I literally put never have I ever because I've never, I've get him off the case. I don't like mustard. Well, what, what I don't even as a parent and I'm talking to you about my missing child. I don't care if she's 30, 29, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you have the audacity to say something like that. When I reveal something so vulnerable to you. So you can get to know her, so you can hopefully find her alive and her kidnappers? Well, in what age, too? That was my other thing. Like, when she was a child, like, he's saying women in his statement, this is a, a child. I told you this, that really made me sick. But it's in the documentary as what m- mom claimed she was told by him. If he, in fact, said that, it's he should disgusting. lose his job. So FBI, top homicide detectives, all of them are grilling Aaron nonstop. They're like, do you think maybe Denise is behind this? Do you think maybe she's the one that orchestrated all of this? Because 
you upset her with the messages. Potentially. Okay. It's 9.09 a.m. on 3.25.15, and Denise is seen on camera. It looks like a ring camera walking to her dad's house. So you see her, like, the way that camera is angled, you see cars, like, parked, and then she's coming across the road getting onto the sidewalk. Okay. You get a call. It plays a call from her dad to law enforcement. Like, I see my daughter. She's walking towards my house. Like, I see her. She's, she's, I see her. Get people over there. Yeah. Um, you cut to Aaron, you know, he's overjoyed. He's like, I thought she was dead. Like, I can't believe, you know, she's alive. What about the ransom? Because I never heard anything else about that. How is she out? You know, everybody's got so many questions from the video. It looks as though she's unharmed. Like she's wearing a hoodie and some sunglasses. Mm -hmm. Um, and she's got a bag with her, like a, looks almost like a duffel bag. Mm -hmm. So the DA, um, I'm assuming it's that paralegal sends a message to, mustard and says Aaron wants to meet with Denise like and his response was he wants to talk to Denise and his response was we do too okay so that's when you get to in the documentary it's going to jump to like episode two that's like how it ends yeah law enforcement holds a press conference at 927 this is 12 hours after her release okay um, I want to, so it's like, I guess, yeah, the next day. I want to play that. Okay. So this is the recording, but you're also going to hear from that paralegal, too. She's going to speak during it. Okay. So it's going to be like the press conference, and that's by the same guy that did the first one, the uh, Lieutenant Park. Mm -hmm. It's the same man. Okay. So here you go. Huntington Beach police officer briefly spoke to Ms. Huskins, and all indications initially was that she would be cooperative with the investigation. As of right now, we have not heard from Ms. Huskins, and we are no longer in contact with any of the family members. The statement that Mr. Quinn provided was such an incredible story we initially had a hard time believing it, and upon further investigation, we were not able to substantiate any of the things that he was saying. Denise needs to talk to the police. She needs to verify, back up what Aaron has already told them. None of the claims has been substantiated. And I can go, I could go one step further to say this. Mr. Quinn and Ms. Huskins has plundered valuable resources away from our community. I know. So, this is just how I just feel about police statements in general. It's just enough to irritate you. Because you, you told me nothing mm -hmm. in that other than you're not happy with them. And you told me that he briefly spoke to her. Yeah. What what does brief mean to you versus what brief means to me? Like. Right. Was it five minute conversation? Was it ten minute conversation? Was it? And you're making a, a lot of assessments here. Like, was it a four hour conversation? Like, what your do you brief, brief? Yeah. and my brief. I don't know what you mean. Mm -hmm. Like, I really don't know what you mean. And again, you told me nothing other than you're mad at them. Right, and that you feel they've wasted resources, and that you couldn't substantiate anything. Mm -hmm. But what did you try to substantiate? Exactly. So that's where I go. 
There's right. a lot there. Yeah. There's a lot unsaid, like for us, because we do this. So we're like reading between the lines. Most other people are going to be like, they, it was a fake. Yeah. They did this whole I thing. I mean, that's the, absolutely the impression that you get from law enforcement. That's what I'm saying. That's, that's, what, that's what I love about their, their statements. Well, I love and hate about their statements because it's so general. Oh, yeah. That it could apply to anything. They could be like, well, we didn't really mean that. What we meant was when they go back. Right. So. Well, this. Yeah. The media went crazy. It went immediately like these people did this massive hoax and wasted all this time, all this money. Yeah. Like, why did they do it? Like. All this effort. What are they getting out of it? Like, they ought to be charged. Hang on. Mm-hmm. And during this time a year prior, the movie Gone Girl had come out. Yeah, I have never seen that. I'm going to give you a brief synopsis because we might have listeners that have no idea. Gone Girl is about a woman who finds her husband cheating on her. When she finds out her husband's cheating, she basically frames her, frames him for her murder. She, like, sets the house up and then just disappears. So he calls law enforcement, like, I don't know what happened. Like, this is <laughs> what always ha- the husband. And, he, and he's oblivious. Yes. And she does a bunch of other shenanigans during that time. And then ultimately shows back up in the end and basically tells him, like, try again. Like, cheat on me again. Let's see what happens. Very crazy. Divorce. Divorce and restraining order. Yeah, but you got to, it's a whole thing. I'm going into witness protection. I'm terrified. So they're like, did she find out that he's been talking to Andrea and she's so mad that she's like, okay, fine. Like, I'm going to frame you for murdering me. And then maybe she got sick of it and came back is essentially what the the whole it shows you the different media outlets like here she she is she's she the girl, real life girl, girl and girl like over yeah. and over and i told y'all wrong that's when episode one ends insert episode two okay and this is when you actually get to meet denise okay and they're talking to her and she says where do you want me to start and they're like she goes i'll start where you put me in the trunk Okay, so that's because you already heard the first half when they were in there. He said he heard the car crank. Mm -hmm. So this is where her story takes over. Okay. So she was put in the trunk and he drove off. She said at some point they switched cars. Um, He did make her drink something. Yeah. You you have a question? No. Oh, you put your hand up. So I thought you were like, wait a minute. She had she had already drank that same mixture, so she yeah. was kind of drowsy during this time. So at some point, they do switch cars. He does tell her when he opens the trunk, it, do not scream, do not try to run, do not do anything, just, like, do what I'm telling you. So puts her in the other car. She said it sounds like a Mustang, like that deep rumble of a Mustang, mm-hmm. but she wasn't sure. Her hands are tied behind her back. She has the swim goggles on, and... They drive. And she said she remembers, like, trying to count, like, how many turns, like, are they on a freeway, like, that kind of thing. But she's in and out, so she's not really able to do it. When the trunk opens again, she says it's very quiet, and she smells like pine trees. She's like, oh, crap, I'm in the woods. And she said she could tell that it was day, because even though they're blacked out, you could, I guess they weren't fully, like, she could see light a little Mm -hmm. bit. He pulls her out and puts her on a concrete floor. Okay. She says that he tells her, I have to finish getting ready. She hears scrubbing. She hears duct tape. She's sitting there thinking, okay, so he brought me here to kill me. Like, yeah. Cool. That's yeah. what's going to happen. Like trying to wrap her mind around it. Eventually he walk. he gets her up. He walks her into a home. He moves her all through the home, takes her. She said tile floor carpet and then back to carpet. And he puts her on a bed. He tells her, this was not meant for you. This was meant for Aaron's ex, Andrea. 
He tells her he is part of a black market that kidnaps people for money. He says that Aaron has instructions on what to do and that she will be held for 48 hours and then she will be released. Um, and then he, she, he leaves and she passes out. Okay. She wakes up obviously several hours later and she can tell again that it's changed. The light's different in the room. Um, she wakes up and she's hearing French pop music playing. And she said the weirdest thing to her is that she liked the music and it was just weird because trying to, French. Well, I'm trying to wrap your head around of like, I'm kidnapped, but, I, you but know, I'm grooving. Yeah, it was really weird for her to kind of put together. She said that he would um, take her on these very routine bathroom breaks. He talks to her about his PTSD, his insomnia, his military service. She's like, he's very polite. He's very thoughtful. Like, maybe he will release me. Like, he's not done anything to show me. Maybe know. I won't die. Right. And then he comes in and he tells her, we have a problem. And he said, the problem is, is we do not have collateral. So one of us will have to have sex with you and record it. That way, if you talk to law enforcement, we can release it on the internet. And she's thinking, okay, it's changed. Like, oh my gosh, like, what are we going to do? So now I'm going to get raped. Right. What's happening? He tells her, I just, um, I want you to know it's going to be me. And, you know, don't. And then he, so he proceeds to sexually assault her. She talks about that just in the fact that she detached herself, like just closing, like going to a different place. She said uh -huh. she'd never experienced anything like that before, but it was truly out of body, just very detached for her. When it was over, he takes her to, and that she wanted to fight, but she was scared that if she fought and screamed and did all that stuff, he would turn violent. Well, yeah, he's got it, complete control. Correct. She can't even see where she's at. Correct. And I think she's still bound at this time, too. Okay. Well, so she she, like, she really can't do anything, but right. she just you know I just want that she had that urge, but she was scared, which fair. Yeah. Um. When it was all over, he takes her to the bathroom. He tells her that she can remove her goggles when he's not in the room. He lets her shower, and it, he basically treated it as a reward because she did what she was told. So now she can take these goggles off. Is the way she presents it, like because the way it was presented to her. Wow. Yeah. So she showers. She said she just let the water run on her forever because she felt like dirty. Well, as it was going down, like that was her hope. Like there's, I'm never getting out of here. Like yeah, I'm done. Right. So, 28 hours in now, she hears cleaning, like vacuuming. Um, she he comes in and tells her that he's lost contact with Aaron and that the associates that he works with are on their way. He tells her to take another dose of the sedatives, tells her, you know, they're not as nice as I am. You need to just pretend to stay asleep or like go to sleep, stay asleep. Like don't make any kind of contact. She says he goes out, she hears a car approach and she hears them talking and it sounds heated almost. Um, she hears the car leave. He comes in and opens the door and he tells her it's been decided that we need proof of life. So do you remember the audio? Yeah. He tells her that they need the proof of life. They record that. And then he tells her that the footage from yesterday isn't good with the sexual assault that he recorded. No, he tells no. her that it needs to look consensual, like we're, like we're having an affair. And then he leaves. When he leaves, she pulls her goggles off, and she sees two glasses of wine and two mini bottles. Um, she says she downs both mini bottles and the glass of wine. When he comes back in, he like makes this joke of, oh, so you started without me. And she's like, absolutely. I'm doing whatever I can do to get through this. She didn't tell him that, but that's what she's thinking. Like, right. yeah, I'm just trying to survive. 
Like, yeah. this isn't funny. So my question is, when they're having sex, did he make her wear the goggles? The first time, yes. Um, okay. This second time, he figured out that he could tape her eyes shut and it would just look like her eyes were closed versus the goggles keeping her from being able to see. So the second time, he taped her eyes. Okay. And so then, she still has no clue what this man looks nope. like. Um, we get to, and then the sexual assault occurs again. 40 hours kidnapped. There's a knock in the middle of the night. Um, she says, he tells her, I want to show you something. He pulls up the newscast of her dad talking about, like, we love her. We just want her home. Like, please just give her back. Like, she, if you can fight, fight. If you, you know, just do whatever to get back to us. And she says she, that's when she fell apart. Because her whole thing was like, you're not going to break me. Right. And then that just broke her. And he puts his hand on her back and tells her they're there. It must feel real now, which I thought was such a weird thing to say. It it was real for him now. Maybe. And she said she just sobbed. Hit a chord, maybe. Well, she said she just continued to sob and continued to sob the entire time, which I would say. Yeah. Um, He tells her that it is time for her to go home. Okay. He gives her another dose of the sedative. He says, I can't take you to the Bay Area. There's just too many people looking for you there, but I will take you to Huntington Beach, and that's where Dad lives. Okay. How he knew that, I don't know. Well, he's obviously researched somebody. Something. Because he knows A.A. Ron's ex's name. Mm-hmm. He's been around enough to know some stuff. Right. Or if they've been showing it and he just searched it or something, like image search. I mean, you could... I guess. Or you're creeping social media and he yeah, was with this person, but he had to identify somebody Correct. and then start researching. So he tells her, you know, because Aaron went to the police, you're going to have to talk to them, but you can't say any of us are in the military and you can't tell them that we had sex. Period. If you do, we will come after your family and we will always have people watching you. Mm-hmm. He says, um, that's not scary. Right. She passes out. Um, when she wakes up, he's like shaking her awake and tells her, you know, time to get up. And she's realized that her, she doesn't have the goggles on anymore, but her eyes are taped shut with sunglasses on. Mm -hmm. And she said she could see through enough, just like see light, but not Mm -hmm. really see. He tells her that once he's going to help her out of the car. Once she gets out, she's to stand there. Until she hears the car leave, and then she's to count to 10. And then she can remove her stuff and go. And she said she remembers, like, getting out and standing there, and she she did it really slowly because she didn't want to do it, like, too fast or anything. She hears the car leave, and then she slowly peels the tape off and starts looking around to see where she's at, and she realizes that she is on her street that she grew up on. Where her dad lives. Where her dad lives. She sees, she talks about morning glories, like these Mm -hmm. purple, beautiful morning glories, and realizing where she was at. Wow. And I'm going to make y'all wait till next week. For another wild Wednesday. Good night. Bye.